Oh my gosh, it's another day in the world of a priest and a rabbi. What is up, a man who has three daughters? I, I may have three daughters, but you have a son. This is true. This is true. Now I have a son, and by the time my son is up and walking, your daughters can babysit him. Uh, yeah, they can. They so can. Good. So do you think if Ellie babysits my son Christian, that Ellie will try to convert him to Judaism? Well, I don't think I don't, I, I, I don't think I don't think proselytizing is is is, is what 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 my oldest is all about. She she definitely would inform your son on the uh, rights and practices of uh, of Jewish culture. I think that's great. I think my my little nephew went to a Jewish school. He's well versed in in Judaism and makes sense as a Christian should be. So I think this this will work again. That's why our radio show I think has has hope and works. Um, yeah. Um, so listen, buddy, you know, we're, we're, we're just continuing to swim through these adventurous waters of COVID-19. And today we're going to ask the question of like, is what we're doing right now really doing any good um, as, as clerics, as people who lead houses of worship? Are, are, we, are we really making a difference? Are we kind of just like, like offering skim milk ministry uh, during a time that really needs uh, whole milk? That was pretty That's much. Great analogy. Worse. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of rough, but thank you for, for showing me love. Um, we're going to have this guy, uh, Father Father Skankon, um, or Father Tim, and um, he's been doing some cool stuff in Massachusetts, and he's digitally, uh, he's been been very active, and so we're going to ask that tough question, really. I mean, I, I think a lot of his pastors and priests and his, and his rabbis and imams, is what we're doing, is it, is it just skim milk? And, and is it, and it will continue to be skim milk as in formation and loving on our folks and having them grow deeper into relationship with God until we get back into the flesh? Or are we really doing, it's a really some amazing things that God is up to inside of, um, inside of all of our houses of worship, whether it's digital or not. So um, I think that's what we're going to do here. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm inspired. Well, I'm always inspired by you. Um, ready, ready to learn from, um, from Father Skank. Let's do it. Let's, let's, get with, let's get with Father Skank and uh, let's see where the show takes us. Mark, get set, go. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the program hosts and their guests and are not necessarily those of WSTU, St. Mary's Episcopal Church, and Temple Bait Hyam. Products that may be mentioned are not necessarily intended as an endorsement. Any reproduction or retransmission of this broadcast is strictly prohibited. And now, WSTU presents a priest and a rabbi. Call in with questions and comments at 220-9788, 220-WSTU. Now, here's your host. Well, good morning, everybody. It is Father Christian here at a priest and a rabbi radio show here with one of the best good-looking rabbis you have ever seen this side of the Jordan River. It is none other None other than Rabbi Rose Durbin. I mean, Rabbi <laughs> Matthew Durbin, um, the better half to the best looking rabbi you found on this side of the Jordan River. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but my wonderful, my wonderful co-host is married to a rabbi as well. And she is much better looking than him. But Rabbi, it is great to have you here, brother. How are you? What's happening? How are the kids? Have you been getting any sleep? Are you smoking cigarettes yet? I am, I am, I am doing really well. Uh, you know, the question isn't so much, am I sleeping, uh, Father Anderson? The question is, are you sleeping? 
you know, it's, it's sleep is sort of like a just a, a fictitious um, um, idea that gets presented to you once in a while as a parent. But um, it, it's it's but it's one that we're all well prepared for. And you know what? I, I can't really go on and on. My wife is the one who's really bearing the brunt of the no sleep thing. So um, I get the guilt, the guilt of being able to get a little bit of sleep when my wife does not. So I don't know if you did you have that at all? Were, were there nights when you got to sleep and Rabbi Rose was up breastfeeding? So you were sleeping more than she was? I was sleeping all the time. Yeah. Did you have any guilt? No, 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 no guilt for me. I I thought Jews are really good at the guilt. We are good at the guilt because we invented it. But um, yeah, not on this one. Not on this one. I mean, I did. I I, I did a lot of the feedings that were, you know, the the eight o'clock and the 10 o'clock, the the one o'clock. It was just it it was like the four or five a.m. that. was just was just too challenging all right so uh let me ask you a question Let, let's get into jewish guilt here because because why not D- did the jews invent invent the, the 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 guilt or did god kind of impose the guilt upon them so i mean it, it could be it could be the latter but i think that that if if god imposed the guilt uh we jews perfected it or you at least accepted it and ran with it yeah and perfected it we 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 we, we made it our own and then now, now, do you find it annoying that the Catholics have sort of like come co-opted. in and, and co-opted, yeah, that that guilt? Because you guys own it, but they said, eh, we're going to kind of take that and make that part of our branding. Welcome to our history. Yeah, I, no, I, I, yeah, <laughs> no. but, but here you are on a show with a priest. Um, let me ask you a question this morning, you know, because our, our guest today is a big, a big coffee guy. Uh, and I can't wait to a- ask our guest this. Um, you know, I've recently switched over to half and half. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've gotten these, you know, half and half coffee, half decaf, half calf. Oh, no, no. I, I mean, I'll go half and half, like half cream, half like milk. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 So I, I, I've been, you know, I drink, I gave up coffee a long time. I gave up booze, you know, for a long time. And then the coffee crept in and the booze stayed out. So I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing half okay. But the, the the coffee thing, duders, this half and half, you know. So I tried like half my caffeine. I just end up drinking twice as much coffee. Oh, so I believe it. You know what I mean? So it's pointless. It's like yep, drinking light beer. You know, you just end up drinking two of them. You know, it's true. Even though I I, I was told that you know even with with uh, um, decaffeinated coffee that there still is there still is caffeine in it. Yeah, do you think people are drinking more c- caffeine or less caffeine now that they're roaming around like um, tigers from a Joe Exotics theme park? Um, Good reference. I try. I try. Um, we, we all like Tiger Tiger King. Um, especially as Floridians. Yeah. No, I, I actually would think that there would be quite a quite a huge surge in in coffee or caffeine consumption. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's different than than waking up in the morning, and you know, for some who may take a shower and get dressed and get ready and do your routine to go on your way to work. Whereas, you know, for most of us, uh, our workspace is our home. So, yeah, I, I I mean, I definitely need that that extra surge of caffeine to uh, to get the, the the wheels greased. And it's right there. That's the thing for me. I just keep on going back and grabbing because I can't. I'm working at home. So all this coffee is there, plus all the food in the fridge. So I, I put on the COVID-15. I put on the weight, I drink the coffee. I'm complaining here. These are all first world problems. There's people who actually don't have a stimulus check right now who are living you know, hand to mouth. And here I am complaining about coffee. Um, if, 
let's 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 get into something here, man. You know, we're in this digital age, and you know, I think it's sometimes I just get the like the concern of like it, I feel lazy as a clergy person. I feel like we're just not doing enough. Let me say, I don't feel like I'm doing it. Talk about like a little bit of guilt here. You know, my church has a little bit of a relationship with the Catholic church. So there's a little bit of Catholic guilt streaming through into the Episcopal church here. That like, I just, you know, I show up online, I do some stuff online. We do a bunch of stuff online and, you know, we work hard, we do a bunch of stuff. I still, I still feel like I'm really doing the work because I'm not in person with people Mm-hmm. not feeling like I'm an extension of Jesus Christ because it's just, it just feels too airy, too ethereal. It just, it just doesn't feel tangible. And um, um, I don't know. Do you, do you, do you struggle with that at all? I do. I do. I mean, you know, like you, we've done everything now is digital and online. And uh, I think that there is a disconnect. I still struggle with, I should be doing something um, all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um you know, it, should I be doing more classes? Should I be doing, you know, it, it's, it's that catch 22 of, of, am I doing enough or am I uh, doing too little? Um, I, I, I think the digital age has presented a lot of open doors um, that have really um, um, manifest itself in things that we have not been able to do in the past. But I also think that there's an added layer and an added pressure of constantly trying to uh, avail oneself and to be busy. Yes, and I think we had, I don't know if it was Jerusalem Greer, but someone on the show talked about that, how, excuse me, we can worship the idol of of just, uh, she didn't say efficiency. I forget what she said, of just like, of, of what was the word she used? Just basically just doing stuff. And if you feel like you're doing stuff as a clergy person, you feel like you're, you're, you're part of the solution or whatever, but, I don't know. I just want to get more effective. So let's, you know what, let's, let's bring on someone here who, do that. you know, he's a pretty effective dude. He's written like five books, including the last one, which was called Holy Grounds, the surprising connection between coffee and faith from dancing goats to Satan's drink. Talk about riveting. I think I might even get our producer, um, Evan, to buy that one. Um, you know, he writes for, uh, you know, a, a column titled uh, In Good Faith at Clergy Confidential, but really a lot of people know him from, is from Lent Madness, which is a, is a sort of like a, a NCAA tournament bracket for saints that we know within the Christian tradition. And uh, he's, he's hilarious on Twitter. And so um, you might know him from his work on Twitter. Um, he was a former uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit model and then decided to become a priest. No, he worked in politics and then now has become a priest. So it's Reverend uh, Tim Skank and uh, he's out um, in Massachusetts coming in hot right off of morning prayer uh father tim are you there, brother i am i am here i'm thrilled to be here i love it mm. <laughs> yeah so you know you 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 know i, I was able to get the, the beginning of your book in you know because you get that free stuff on amazon where they're like hey do you want to take a taste of this book uh-huh. um and uh i was impressed of how how long you held out from actually drinking coffee knowing all the different things you're involved in politics you had your first child your wife's a big coffee drinker and you stayed strong the whole time i was not an early adopter of of coffee which is uh which is strange but but true and so yeah i I made it through uh through well, high school nobody drank. Uh, now, now all the kids drink, you know, fancy frappuccinos and, and that, that cost eight bucks or whatever. But I, you know, nobody drank high school when I was in high uh, coffee when I was in high school. And so made it through high school, made it through college, made it through 
the army, made it through seminary, made it through one child. It was the second child in parish ministry. Well, two children under the age of two that, that really set me over the edge and, and sent me down to this coffee journey and, and have, haven't stopped since. What was, what was the moment that you remember you reaching for that cup? Uh, it was literally, I, I was serving as the curate at Old St. Paul's Church in downtown Baltimore, and uh, there, was, there was the pot. I was bleary-eyed. I mean, you, you know, you're talking about sleep earlier. I was basically, when my kids were, were young, I was the transportation. So I would go when they'd cry, I'd get up and I'd get them and I'd bring them. So I, I, I spent a lot, of, uh, a lot of time up and, uh, and just seeing that pot of coffee. And I just, you know, and I went over and just, that was it. And, 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 and you never look back? N not, not once. I've only, uh, now granted, when I first started drinking coffee, it was basically warm coffee ice cream it was sugar and it was cream and it was all this kind of stuff but uh ever since it's it's been a constant uh constant journey of discovery and, and now i um i i drink uh well i'm kind of a coffee snob now but i i drink my coffee like i wear my clergy shirts black nice that was that you've had that tucked <laughs> in pocket you ripped that out quite, quite oh, yeah. a few times huh? oh, yeah. that, no that's the first time i just thought of that Stop it. Okay, how about this? Have you ever given it up for Lent? <laughs> That's funny, no. You've never given up coffee for like no. any kind of like fasting no. or anything like that? No. When you fast, because my mother was a nun, believe it or not, which clearly didn't work out, but she said in the convent, they would allow her, to, when you fast, which is quite often in the convent, that you can have coffee. You know, you can have like water, coffee, and bread. So, do, do, do you still drink coffee when you fast? Well, of course. I mean, that's one of the sacraments. And, it, and you know, it's the, uh, I, I just, no, nobody wants to be around someone that is fasting and not caffeinated. Nobody wants that. <laughs> that's not good for the kingdom of God. No, it's really not. Or, or yeah. for anybody, yeah. For, for, I mean, if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, that's not, you, you know, that, that's not going to do it. So, Rabbi, you, you yourself um, are, are quite a hefty coffee drinker. At least you, you put a lot of um, stock into Dunkin' Donuts because every time we do the show, you come in with a fifth of, mm. uh, of their good stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But I, I, heard the, uh, I heard that decaf word earlier. You guys were talking, you know, which, which is basically brown water. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, what is your thought on, on the, the half and half? My, I, I do Keurig, which you probably makes you vomit, the whole Keurig. Yes, it does. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, my, my thought on, you mean the half-calf, half-decaf thing? Yes, sir. Uh, why, why would you desecrate a holy drink by, by adding decaffeinated coffee? So I, I, I just don't understand. If I, what if I want to wean myself off my dependence upon caffeine and so I can depend more upon the organic energy cups. of God? Hey, I'm not addicted. Is that what you're implying? I can stop no. anytime I want. Yeah, absolutely. No, this, no, this. no, I can't. <laughs> no, uh, no. You sound like Michael Jordan on that documentary right now when they ask him about gambling, you know? That's, that's right. That's right. Um, which, which, by the way, when I watched the video of your son doing the, uh, you, you and your son doing the obstacle course with, uh, with Cooper, the dog, yeah. um, uh, your, your, your son is sporting some nice Michael Jordans, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a sneakerhead. I think that's what it's called. I don't he's know. a sneakerhead? Oh, yeah. He loves, he's, he's got, we have more sneakers in this house. Wow, oh, yeah. that, that's yeah. an expensive, expensive yeah. thing. So, all right, well, you know, there's so many different ways to go here. We could talk sneakers, we could talk coffee, all these things with you. Um, 
but we, we want to talk to you though about, do you, do you have any, you, you've been, you're a rector, which means you run a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, do you struggle at all? I, I would assume, you know, you seem like a pretty hands-on kind of guy. You, you love all your parishioners, you know them, um, that during this time of the Corona tide that you, that you, you don't feel like you're doing enough to really be fully present in their lives. It, it's just sort of like a, what we've been up to the last eight or 12 mm-hmm. weeks, just like, eh, it's the best I can offer you. It's just this digital thing. Or do you feel like, no, actually, I feel like we've really made some big strides here that are awesome during this digital age. And even though I can't see my parishioners in person uh, and have that tactile physical presence with them and hug them if they're broken hearted, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and communicate them with the Holy Eucharist, no, I still feel very connected to them. Um, yeah, it, I, I, we're really, all of us, we're really straddling this, uh, this divide between the physical and the digital. So uh, yes to all of that. It's, um, it's hard. I mean, I, I absolutely grieve and mourn for the loss of physical touch. I miss giving all the Sunday school children high fives after the service. I miss everybody of of all ages, their outstretched hands at the communion rail. I miss hugging our octogenarians uh, after the service. I miss it all. And yet we're also doing everything that we can to to stay connected through the, the the, the, the technology and we've really embraced that and that's been that's been a good thing and we will continue to do that I mean uh, here in Massachusetts we're not close to opening up um, certainly when it comes to churches but it's not going to be an on-off switch with this it's going to be a dimmer switch and so there will for the foreseeable future once we do reopen there will be a, a mixture of some people sitting in the pews and some people, watching from home and we will be live streaming for the duration and there are some people that that love the the creativity of of the online piece and and that's good there are some people for whom it it doesn't resonate and and i i feel bad for that i really struggle uh, the most with the folks they and they tend to be older but the folks who are not connected and um, and so I've, uh, I've discovered and encouraged people to use this amazing feature on their smartphones. Now, you may not realize this, but you can actually use your smartphone to, to dial uh, a, a number. It tends to be like seven or ten digits. Okay. And, and you can actually speak, you speak to someone. You can, Come on. You, can touch, you can touch these numbers and talk to them. You're full and, of uh, yeah, you so it's amazing. You just type letters. You can't yeah. actually speak them. <laughs> it's, so it's this incredible thing. So I actually find that I'm talking to uh, parishioners uh, on, on the phone much more than I, than I used to. So, so that's been good. The other thing that we've been doing, recognizing that, um, that, that not everybody is connected, although we're in, in my context, context most are, um, you know, so, okay, yes, we can mail sermons and, and things like that. And we've been doing that. But, but one of the things that we've done is we've, uh, I, I've reached out to the local uh, access cable station, and they're actually running our, our services. Um, and they, 
you know, not live, but but they, I mean, let, let's face it, local cable stations are desperate for for content, right? So they were like, mm-hmm. oh yes, we'll we'll do this, and they run it um, throughout the week. I mean, I, I could have gotten up at four thirty this morning and seen seen myself on TV. So, but what I'm saying is that uh, there are other ways to, if people don't have the internet, they often have cable TV, so they can watch it that way. So that was a simple phone call to the local cable access and they just, you didn't have to pay anything. They said, yeah, nope. give us the content. Yeah, no. So I, I sent them a file and, and they, they'll, they run it every Rabbi, week. Rabbi, you hearing this, man? You need to get on the phone with someone in your parish who will make those phone calls. I bet you will have your Friday night services on in no time. You mean we got them on Facebook Live? Yeah, but yeah, but it took to Father Tim's point the 83-year-old woman in the fifth pew is not going on Facebook Live, but she might go on Facebook. No, no, no. And, 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 and I just wanted to just, just pick up on that piece, too, because I think it is important. <clears throat> you know, like many many communities, I mean, we obviously have a, a, a wide range of, of ages and um, of our membership. And I, I, I think <clears throat> part of the challenge moving to a digital online um, platform is exactly what you said. There are segments of our population that just they don't have the interest, they don't have the experience to be able to go onto a Zoom call or figure out Facebook or what have you. So I guess my question is, what do we do? You know, I, I, I mean, Father Tim, I, I love the the idea of, you know, using our local resources in our disposal to be able to expand bigger. But how do we, in your experience, what, how has it worked to try and inspire or engage the, uh, the ones that are on the periphery, the ones that um, can't yep. be reached. Yep, that that that's it. And 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 so there are there are ways to do that. Of course, so we we've uh, we've had two rounds, I guess, of having volunteers call through the entire parish directory just to check in on people. And we actually have a uh, I've been calling it kind of a, the Match dot com of pastoral care. So we have put a portal together and we've gotten people to input if they're able to assist and volunteer to help people. Uh, you know, it could, be, it could be calling, it could be writing letters, it could be running errands, it could be going to the pharmacy, whatever. And then we've, had, uh, we've asked through, uh, through an online portal, but also most importantly in, in these cases, through phone calls, asking people, what they need. And so it's been a way for the community to really connect with one another and help one another and, and touch one another in, in very real and meaningful ways. And so, um, so that's, that's been great. You know, we have Sunday school kids writing letters uh, to mostly we've identified the folks who are particularly vulnerable during this time, those who are um, uh, living alone, those uh, in, in nursing homes and independent care facilities, which are really still under lockdown at this point. So it's, uh, it's been really inspiring to watch the community, you know, to, to give them the space to do this, but to watch the community take care of one another. And that's been amazing. Yeah, the, the, we've actually, we've been stripped down and we all talked about this on the pre-production call yesterday of, and I've heard this theme over and over again, the essentials have been, of, of what it means to be people of faith have been revealed. Uh, mm-hmm. And 
Um, I think uh, your arch nemesis, Scott Gunn, talked about this the other day um, on a, a, uh, a Zoom call with some other preachers about a Pew Research uh, poll came out recently that people who, I forget what the question was, but uh, basically people's faith uh, in America, people who say they have faith, <laughs> has increased by like 40%. Mm. So COVID has not caused people to lose faith and say like, where God, so where are you, God, or, I don't, or actually I don't believe in you, but maybe saying, well, where are you? And I want to know where you are in this, or I want to depend upon you more. So these, these, this crisis has actually revealed more faith in people, according to the to, to the poll, um, it's also it's, about convenience, right? I mean, we see the same thing when we stream our services. You know, on average, we get 60, 70, 80 people that come on a Friday night. Now we're seeing views of seven, eight, nine hundred, a thousand views. Uh, and I know we talked about this yesterday in terms of you know we don't really know the metrics on Facebook on whether you know the analytics are are you 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 looked at it for ten seconds or you looked at it for an hour. But I think engagement. I mean, it's just it's, it's, it, when we sit back and actually like reflect on it, I think what churches and what synagogues and what mosques and what, what people have been doing um, in, in uh, communities of faith, is actually quite remarkable. We've, we've I, I mean, I'll speak personally, I was never trained in Zoom in rabbinical school. I was never trained on how to use technology uh, when, when the world will shut down. I mean, th that wasn't a 101 class in, 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 in rabbinical school. So, you know, we're trying to understand and navigate through something that for some of our, our, our membership, and I'm sure this is not unique to us as a community, but to, to a lot of communities, we're seeing engagement and access, at least access of people who, in the comfort of their own home, being able to stream and to view a service, uh, it's tenfold. I mean, it's huge. No, that's 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 absolutely right, and uh, it's it's why when we return, we're going to have to put cup holders in all the pews because people are getting used to drinking their coffee while while watching the service. But I I I love seeing people who, uh, in a lot of ways, have been on the periphery of the congregation are suddenly tuning in every week, and um, that that's pretty amazing to to watch that engagement. And I think some of it is simply the the times that we're living in people are craving some connection and some spirituality and just some some rhythm to the week uh, i've heard a number of people say to me that the sunday morning service just kind of anchors everything especially in a time when you can't even remember what day it is really mm -hmm. Um, that was, by the way, uh, I'm sorry to hear that you didn't have that class at, uh, at rabbinical school in, in seminary. We, that, that was the class that we all took, right, Christian? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it wasn't even an elective. It was right. Right. Old Testament studies, New Testament studies, Zoom. Yep. Yep. But, uh, but I think it's what, what's great about this time at, at one level is that we're all kind of making it up as we go along. And so it's, it's definitely gotten the creative juices flowing and i and i think we're all just throwing things up and seeing what sticks and what resonates and that's that's all you can do really or you you see what everyone else is doing and then you steal what you think might work at your yes place yes like, the, the so yes that's, that's why we have you on the show is to hear all these great things you're doing and then we're going to try to steal what works and just that's say, brilliant wow, i thought of this idea and um all right so so we're going to take a break and when we come back the, the concern is as as we start to ease back in and ease on down the road, um, I know some some 
some communities are going to take longer than others. Um, but what, how do we, how do we, how do we do this and honor the digital world while getting back into and introducing some of the physical world back in. I mean, I think that's that's something that the rabbi and I will be confronting a little bit sooner than, than you, Father Tim, yeah. uh, since Florida is, for better or for worse, open its doors and said, party! Um, so before the second wave comes, um, the, the, the doors are open. But what 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 are we what do we want to continue what do we want to keep moving into this this next season uh that we're dealing with right now what have we learned and then definitely what do we want to say goodbye to and say well that was a fun little experiment but once we get back let's just focus on this so we're gonna take a quick break to hear about the people who have supported the show uh and uh, we'll get more of father tim go grab another cup of coffee let's rock You're listening to a priest and a rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and please leave a rating and a review, five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This is Father Christian here on A Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And and I want to uh, let you know that I have uh, started a uh, YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian. And you can check it out on YouTube. And uh, every Monday, I drop a new episode. And it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find our relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. Um, last week was what do women really want um, in a man uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked, though, was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor, someone to be there for you during a challenging time. And you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more of the presence um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Welcome back to another 
another incredible, riveting half hour of a priest and a rabbi. And today you're getting two priests for the price of one. How is that even possible? I'm not sure. But my name is Father Christian, and with me is Rabbi Matthew Durbin from Temple. Only one of me. Only one of me. Well, there's only one of you. Right, right. So it's two priests and a rabbi. You know, so it's like, you know, it's BOGO. Buy one, get one, right? We're, we're over at Publix, buying some Talenti ice cream, and you're going to get, I don't know what flavor you would put for me, what flavor you put for Father Tim, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, I'm, ha- I'm probably half off, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what flavor? If you were a Talenti ice cream, what flavor would you be? Isn't it obvious in my case? Coffee? Yeah, I kind of walked into that one. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, all right. So kids, we, we've been, uh, the last, you know, Father Tim, cause I know you've been like listening to all of our episodes religiously for the last eight weeks, as you know, that here at, at a priest and a rabbi, we, we've been exploring what is life like as a clergy person, as a church and as a temple in this, uh, digital age where that God has thrust us into, to be able to explore. Um, and today on this episode, we're just saying, okay, this is great. And we pat ourselves in the back, but there's a part of like, but let's be real here. And I, maybe it's just me. I'm just having this, let's be real part. Like, am I, is there still a big gap in, in really our ability to form people in faith? And are we still just kind of in a, in a, in a gray area. And I know it's always going to talk about what, what it's going to look like when we get back to the new normal, whatever that is. But, but what if, what if actually, what if actually there is, another threat. And the country says, uh-uh, nope, there's another strand here and we got to stay in for at least another six months, right? I mean, we, we just had a, uh, a task force meeting with um, the head of, uh, of the health department for Martin County and the head of uh, patient safety over at Cleveland Clinic. It was very sobering. It was very sobering. Um, if you go by science, which I know is not really accepted these days a lot, but if you go by science, uh, it's, it's, it's going to take a long time for us to get back to a really legitimate place. Um, and if we really try to play it smart, we wouldn't be opening the doors um, right now, but our economy says differently. So let's say we do have to keep the doors closed. Father Tim, would you have concern that for your flock, this flock that you've been nurturing through programs and Bible studies and outreach and all the wonderful stuff and worship that you do and one-on-ones and raising up new leadership, all the stuff that, that really just jazzes you as a follower of Jesus, would you be afraid that you're going to lose some ground on people's formation um, in, in their faith and their following of God because of these the limitations and having to stay digital? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm opening a nail salon at the church. So that's that's the number one thing that I'm going to do. That's uh, first. Yes. Yeah. That, so that's just part put of some my... Clorox in that water and you'll be fine. Right. That's, that's part of the reopening plan. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I'm definitely concerned about it, but I'm also, um, you know, wh- when you think about kind of guiding principles on reopening, the number one piece is I don't want St. John's to be a hotspot for this stuff. I, I care too much about uh, the people here. I love them. I don't want anyone to get hurt. So the number one piece is simply safety. And, you know, if you are loving your neighbor, uh, which is what we do, um, that's going to be keeping everybody safe. And if that means not reopening for public in-person worship for a long time, as uncomfortable as that is, that's what we're going to do. So that's, that's the, 
that's that's the key piece for me. And we're we're going to be live streaming for the duration. That's one thing that we are investing in right now is some infrastructure to to be able to do that um, effectively. Because uh, it, again, there's going to be a time whenever we are able to open that some people are going to be in the pews and some people are going to be in their bathrobes. And it's just going to be this this hybrid model. One of the things that I'm not going to do is uh, they're going to be people who are making decisions on when they should return, even if the church is open to, to you know, in whatever that looks like. And I'm not going to shame anybody. If they feel that they're not ready to come back, I'm not shaming them. So that's going to be their decision. And I don't know what this is going to look like. Um, I have a task force at the church that's looking at all the state guidelines, the diocesan guidelines, and the particular context here in Hingham, Massachusetts, to, uh, to, at, at our church to, to see what it's going to look like. But um, it, there's going to be a lot of fear, I think. I, I don't know if you, uh, if you had this, but um, going to the grocery store for the first time wearing a mask and gloves, it was pretty scary. And there may well be that feeling when people show up to our faith communities for the first time, when, when we're able to open in whatever capacity that's gonna be. And fear is gonna be a big piece that we're gonna have to all be dealing with as, as faith leaders in this. Do you think you would want to have bathrobe Sunday? Well, right now, every Sunday is bathrobe Sunday. Um, so uh, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. I, I can, can you really um, imagine someone uh, in, in this, in this context going from fuzzy slippers to, uh, to a suit or, or a fancy hat? I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I would love to see the image from your church of all these people walking in in their bathrobes. I can see you being the one to say, when we come back, it is bathrobe Sunday. Bring your your coffee cup, your favorite bathrobe, and let's worship God. Yep, and just don't touch anybody. And oh, and wear a mask. <laughs> oh, oh, and and don't sing. Oh, and well, and don't right. and we can't do communion. I, I mean, things are going to be very different for a while. Yeah, the Catholic uh, bishop around here just put out put out put out a uh, his de his his declaration, and uh, it was it was pretty firm, you know. And I think Catholics can get away with this more mm -hmm. um, than maybe um, in the Episcopal Church, but it is basically just a bullet point of saying what's allowed, what isn't, and that's all it was. It wasn't really a pastoral letter. It was just boom, boom, boom. You won't do this. You will do this. You won't do this. You will do this. Um, you will six feet of, sit six feet apart. You will do all this, uh, and and I think maybe and and you know my maybe my Catholic brothers and sisters would would disagree with me, but I just feel like I was talking to my boss about that, being like the culture there might be able to accept that more from the bishop and be like, great, that's how we do it. Let's go yeah. in, let's follow that. In the Episcopal Church, there might be, and you tell me, Rabbi, if you put out a, you know a declaration saying this is how it's going to be when we come back, everyone's going to sit six feet apart, each family. You're all wearing masks. Maybe you do gloves, maybe there's hand sanitizer, blah, 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 blah. That's how we do it, go. Um, I know in our church, I, we're probably gonna get a little pushback. You know, I, there, there's gonna be debate um, as opposed to where you have this Catholic bishop just says, this is it, take it or leave it, stay at home. If you do, this is what you do. Uh, I, I don't know. So do, do gentlemen, do, if you put out a statement saying, when we come back, this is what we do. Do you think everyone would just be like, great. Um, or will you have some folks like here in Florida, some people are like, that's infringing upon my civil liberties, and I think it's ridiculous, and I won't do that. 
And then you have to have that conversation. Yeah, I, I think it's hard. I mean, someone once said to me that clarity is kindness. And there is something that is kind about just being very clear, uh, especially in, in times of uncertainty. What, uh, what I think is gonna be hard around here is when other churches are and, and houses of worship are opening up around us, but we don't feel like we're ready yet. And That's right. having and having people say, "Well, well, wait a minute," but they're they're open. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the best positioned congregations, uh, ironically enough, are small congregations in very large buildings. I mean, they can they can do this. Um, that's not that's not our situation here. And so it's going to be, uh, it's, it's a lot more complex for some congregations than others. Yeah. I think that's the challenge that we're looking at too. And Rabbi, this not, this challenge won't be, tell me if you could identify with this at all, but maybe not that I know we're having these conversations where there's going to be other churches in our area who are already going to say, let's open up. I mean, they haven't been able to open yeah. because the governor says it's an essential business. So, um, that there's this concern <laughs> that folks would be like, listen, I'm hungry for church. I'm hungry for formation. And the Methodist church down the street is open. So I'm gonna start going there with my girlfriends. And then it's hard as a leader, you'd be like, did we just lose them, right? But you can't think that way because to your point, Father Tim, you're saying if you don't feel like it's safe to open up and it's about loving our neighbor, then you have to say, well, this is the direction we're going. And if someone says, well, I just need, I really wanna be in person. So I'm gonna go to the church down the street. Then would you have the concern that you just, you're gonna start losing people from your church. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And the other thing is what happens when there's another wave of this mm-hmm. uh, do you, you know, is it constantly opening, shutting, opening, shutting? So wait, suddenly it's, I don't know if you get flu season down in Florida, but we certainly get it up, up, up here. Right. Right. No, that, that, that's what came up in the meeting yesterday with the folks from the hospital. They're saying, and when this flu season comes, it's coming back. I mean, it's a strand, it's going to come back. And so yeah. then what, yeah. Do you just, close up shop again, right? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, Rabbi, do you, do the, how well do the local rabbis talk here in, like, do you talk to the guy in Palm Beach? Do you guys, do you talk to the guy in Palm City? I mean, I, mean I, I, I think it's all situational and I think it's, it's like Father Tim said, you know, I think it's all, all what, what, what our communities and what our leadership are comfortable with. I mean, we've had this conversation with members of our community who keep saying, you know, Rabbi, when are we going to open? And you know, my, 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 my brain says I could open up, I could open up tonight if I wanted to. Sure. Is it safe? Could be, but who's going to come hmm. for those that normally do attend? Are you comfortable leaving? I, I mean, I think we're, we're in a, we're in a weird situation right now because although it seems relatively safe, uh, I, I don't know because we've been in, in, we've been pent up in our houses for seven weeks, eight weeks the thought of going outside is overwhelming and daunting. You know, like to Father Tim, to your, to your, to your uh, response about, you know, putting on gloves and a mask and going to a grocery store for the first time. Uh, I think for a lot of people, that first time of going out and being interacting with other people. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. I, I mean, we do speak with, I, I do speak with some of my colleagues down South to see what they're doing. But, you know, we're in a very different situation because we're Martin County, um, and a lot of my colleagues are down in Palm Beach County, where there's a lot more cases uh, and a lot more testing going on. So I think that there's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. 
I don't know is the easy answer. I mean, I, I'd like to be able to say at some point this summer we'll open. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if that means every third seat. I don't know if that means expanding. I, I, I yeah, I, I, I don't know. Do you all have uh, have people that prefer the online worship? Some. Go ahead, Rabbi. Yep. I mean, we we definitely do. I mean, we've seen a lot of engagement for those who normally would not come through our doors on a Friday night or a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but the engagement is, I, I'm I'm here. I'm seeing it on a feed, or I'm seeing it on what 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 have you. Um, let me click on this. Oh well, okay. I can see my synagogue. I see my familiar aspects of my sanctuary. I see my rabbi and my soloist. Yeah, I think I think that there's there there. there not that there's a, a overwhelming number, but I think that there's certainly a, a, a strong contingent of our membership that are certainly accessing the digital as opposed to um, the in-person. And Rabbi, do you think that that those folks, when when the doors are open again, that those new faces that are accessing on uh, the digital world will prefer to, to stay there as opposed to coming in coming in the building? I think so. I think so. I mean, I think, I think, I think even though we Jews invented guilt, I don't like to give it. Um, but a part of me that, that, that says to myself, look, I get it. You work Monday through Friday, come Friday night, families are tired. They make meals for themselves. I get it. It's, it's coveted special family time. And I think what better way to spend those precious moments with family as you celebrate Shabbat or you, you have your, 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 you know, your dinner on a Friday night, tune in and check us out for an hour. I think, I think, I think for some that that becomes more impactful and more meaningful. I think that we'll, we'll see, we'll see more people accessing us online. Hmm. One of the interesting phenomenons that I've noticed and in, in, I'm sure you have as well is there have been newcomers. There have been people who are visiting the church online for the first time that may not have come in person or were hesitant or didn't know what to expect. This is a church shopper's dream world at, at one level because people can literally get a glimpse into what you do and who you are. Uh, they can't get a sense of the full community, of course, but um, but it's been fascinating and uh, to, to see uh, some some people who are like, oh, wow, you know, I've been meaning to, to check it out, but maybe I was, I was, I, I didn't really want to, I didn't know if I could just show up or, or what, but they're, they're able to access the, 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 the liturgy online. And I, it'll be, it'll be really interesting. I think, I do think some of those people will definitely walk through the doors whenever that may be. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I, I think there's going to be some crossover because it is, we do live in a time of very spiritually curious folks. Uh, I don't know about you, Tim, but like we, our counties end up in the top 15 on the Barna study for um, most unchurched counties oh, in, yeah. in, in yeah. the world, yeah. uh, I mean, in America. Yeah. And so even though there's so much, seems like there's so much church going on, <laughs> I'm sure the rabbi mm-hmm. feels it left and right um, as the lone temple here in, in Stewart, but there's still, there's a lot of unchurched folks, but it doesn't mean there's a lot of atheists, right? So that, that this, hopefully this season, has just been this great invitation for folks who are curious about the divine to be able to go check out the temple, maybe because a friend re, you know, reshared something on the Facebook page and 
their friends Jewish and got to look at say, oh, this is what Shabbat's all about or, or with the church. And they could, like mm-hmm. to your point, Father Tim, they could go check out an evangelical some, uh, 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 service, an Episcopal, a Catholic and a Methodist all within like 10 minutes, right? right. <laughs> they just bounce. And then say like, you know what, this has really been feeding me and I, 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 I want to take the next step. I think I want to take the next step. You know, I, I want to go in person. Uh, that's my and I prayer. De- and I definitely want to give a lot of money. And uh, yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yes, it's, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm being just ridiculously hopeful as a clergy person to think that that's happening. Um, but I'd be very curious to see if, if if any kind of data would show that if there is church growth, and and, and it'll be hard to track it because are people showing up at the churches just because they feel like the if it's like a post nine eleven thing, we need God more than ever. And then once people get relaxed again and they feel everything's back to normal, then they just kind of go. They, yeah, and, and they get and families get back to youth sports and everything else. Yeah, there's time now for God. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there's no distraction, so there is time for God, and and that's welcome to the clergy person's life. It's like how do you fit in and try to make God number one. In folks' life, when there's so much competition, and the competition is not bad stuff, it's not like they're saying, "I got to go watch porn right now." They're saying, "No, I, I got to go take my kid to you know AP class tutors." You know, you don't think that. that's you don't think that's the choice on Sunday morning. Let's see, I could go to Father Christian's church, or <laughs> I could watch porn. <laughs> and if I'm losing out, um, you know, I got I got I got work to do. <laughs> yeah, that, that that may be a whole other show. <laughs> yeah i'm not i mean i think our evangelical uh uh cousins are 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 much more willing to go right at that in their sermons than us i don't know how many times i've listened to an evangelical sem- uh, sermon and boy they are not afraid to talk about porn uh, mm. but mm. uh it just doesn't happen as much in our church i don't know um i don't know how we got there but we did um but uh so that was, all, that, was that was all you i'm just saying <laughs> and you and you but you picked it up you picked up the uh, ball and you ran yeah. which appreciate it you got the first down <laughs> uh so father tip can you, you you've actually as we we're near the end of the show you, you have been doing um some pretty cool things with you guys did a food drive into some other things can, can you tell us about some of the like the the great aha or you know if you want to call it success stories just really beautiful things that have come out of this time of covid with you and and your congregation of how you've served the community you've had kept the contact alive i know you talked about the phone tree and and there's yeah. and, and uh, uh be able to connect with folks telephonically uh but what yeah, are some other- I, yeah no i i read an article a couple weeks ago that was pretty convicting it was uh from a british church publication and the headline was youtube sermons will not feed the hungry and I thought, you know, we've got to take this seriously. It's, we can't just, as clergy, we can't just be fiddling with the Wi-Fi while, uh, while there are true needs out there. And one of the things that, that this pandemic has highlighted has been food scarcity. And there are a lot of hungry people out there. And so what, uh, what we did here at St. John's is we have turned the church into a community food drop-off center. And so we publicize this widely uh, in, in, our, in our area, not just for church members, but for the entire community. And so we have a bunch of bins uh, outside uh, our doors and people have been dropping off food. And we have a number of volunteers who are putting on masks and gloves and delivering food to one of three local food pantries that, that we support through the parish. So it's, it's stuff like that. And that's really, 
that um, uh, that that line uh, that that we're we're trying to straddle between the the physical world and the digital world, and and I think that they can come together and meet in in beautiful and inspiring ways. And do, do you have this challenge where the folks who usually run our meal program on Wednesdays uh, would all fall into the vulnerable immune system category, right? Mm. The majority of them are over 65. Some of them are 75, right? Uh, but they're really, they, they steer this, this great meal that we do on Wednesdays for the community. And a lot of the folks who come are homeless or just in a financial place where they, they, they need the help. Um, but our bishop says, if you're over 65, you're not volunteering, I'm sorry. Uh, so it's like, so we have to like tap into a new group. But if you, have you found that struggle like with this current category you're with this uh, project you're talking about right now, the food collection that, the volunteers who step up a lot of times are the ones who are in a more vulnerable category and you have to in, say, hey, ease up, I can't have you out there. Yeah, in, in some cases, I mean, this is, uh, this is less, uh, I mean, being able to, to deliver food, food is, is much less kind of the, the, the touch piece. Um, but I've also seen that there are a tremendous number of younger people who are home and just want to do something. I mean, people, People are amazing. People dur during this time, people have, have wanted to uh, to do all sorts of things to help the community. So we we also are a drop off place for people that are making uh, homemade masks to deliver to medical professionals. Just yesterday, we had uh, a ton of um, of plastic that was delivered to the church, and we're going to be um, uh, there's a couple of people who are going to be using volunteers to turn these into isolation gowns that they'll be delivering to local hospitals and, and things like that. So I, I have found that, uh, that, that so many people are inspiring me just because they want to do some um, amazing things and give back and help. And um, that's, that's been one of the glimmers of, of, of hope during this time that I've sure. seen. Sure. Father Sam, we hope that this, you know, that this, the next time we have you on, we'll be talking about reentry and, and just having a, a, how that services went, where everyone in their bathrobes and coffee went. And, yep. um, uh, but we uh, keep on doing the great work that you do. If, if folks are listening to this and they're just like this, Father Tim, I need more of him. Give me more. I need a full shot or a double mm -hmm. shot of Father Tim. Where can they go, buddy? Oh, wow. Well, uh, I'm on Twitter at Father Tim. So you can always do that. I also blog at Clergy Confidential. And, and, and the Lent Madness, man. When that's oh, there's up and Lent Madness. Again. That's, a, that's, a whole other, that's a whole other thing. LentMadness.org. Yep. Although that's, <laughs> that's typically uh, more during Lent. That's right. That's right. So, but, but a big claim to fame. So, all right, brother, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, it, it's, it's been wonderful to, to be inspired by all the stuff that's going on and, and hear you glean upon this, this, this unusual time we're in. Uh, An absolute pleasure. Thank you both. It's been fun. Thank you. All right, brother. Peace. So, so rabbi, man, um, what, what do you think? Are you, how do you feel right now with, 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 with your congregation and uh, nearing this reentry time? Are you, are you, are you reticent? Are you nervous? Are you feeling like you feeling great opportunity ahead of us? What's going on? Um, I think, I think it's, it's for me, it's, it, it's about being slow and being very cautious. Uh, I think it's, it's, you know, we're going to set up a reopening task force to start looking at it. Uh, you know, we have high holidays coming in mid September. 
we know that there's a potential of a second wave coming in the fall. So I think there's a lot of factors, um, you know, speaking with, with administrations and hospitals and, you know, yeah, uh, the, the, the short answer is um, I'm anxious to open up, but at the same time, uh, I'm, I'm in no rush right now. I, I, I'd rather have all of my membership and all of the community comfortable and safe when we do return. So it's, right. it's an anxious period. Right. I'm ready to go back, but I'm also ready to be able to um, allow those that want to come back uh, uh, slowly. Just we'll have to figure out a time when that works. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I think uh, as a wise man once told me, the slower you go, the faster you'll get there. And I think if we could just focus on that as, as, a, as a community together, um, we'll get to where we need to go faster if we just take our time. There's no, but I understand the economy is pressing if people are hurting. Uh, it's a challenging, challenging balance we have. So, all right, brother. So, listen, I think next week we, we have a guest who uh, is pretty well known, um, uh, Father Haley, who's uh, a big evangelizer. But we won't be talking about evangelism again since you, you and I have, have run that race before. Um, but Marcus Haley is uh, extremely well known on social media. And so I'll be looking forward to that. In the meantime, man, God bless you online. I'm sure we can find you on the Temple Beth Chaim website and Facebook page as you can with us over at St. Mary's on our Facebook page or our website or our YouTube page. God bless you all. We will see you next Friday here at 9 a.m. or on the podcast. Peace out. <laughs>